0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Since COVID happened, the cruise ship stopped coming into our and that basically just stopped our business too. So we were just hit financially. I recently stopped
2: driving taxi due to the fact that we had a community super spreader so because of my family and i being the only one to sustain us i decided to stay home until this clears up
3: women are now taking on that extra burden of caring for children who have to stay at home during lockdowns looking after elderly relatives or relatives or people in the community who are disabled and other vulnerable groups
4: For all my female colleagues who are here, we've had to take on extra responsibilities and roles, and we've had to find a way to balance out taking care of other essential services.
0: For more than a year now, our lives have been thrown into chaos by COVID-19. The tourism industry across the Pacific is suffering, families are separated due to border closures, jobs have been lost, and sadly, so too have many lives. While we've all been impacted, did you know that historically in pandemics, it's women who fare far worse than men? And this pandemic is no different. More women have lost their jobs than men, and guess who's bearing the brunt of the crisis at all? Yes, women. I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk about the impact of COVID-19 on women in the Pacific. Thank you so much for joining me for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia, a show where we talk about issues affecting women across the Pacific. According to the United Nations, across every domain from health to the economy, security to social protection, the impacts of COVID-19 are worse for women and girls. The McKinsey Global Institute found women's jobs are 1.8 times more vulnerable to this crisis than men's. It's something a regional organization, Pacific Women, says it's happening here too. Women's livelihoods are disproportionately affected by this pandemic. It also reports that women's unpaid work in the Pacific has increased, as has gender-based violence, and our health is suffering because there's less access to services. Dr. Fiona Okula is the Gender Specialist for the Pacific Islands Forum Secretariat. Dr. Okula, welcome to Sisters Let's Talk. How do pandemics and health crises generally affect women?
3: Well, generally in terms of health emergencies or crises like what we have now in pandemics, I think one of the the biggest effects on women is is the burden of care. So meaning that uh, women... Uh, often take on that carer role in terms of um, care care of children, of elderly, of those who are sick, in addition to the roles that they already play, whether they're working or in the informal economy or women who stay at home. When, when there is a pandemic or a health emergency, they, they take on that extra burden of care.
0: What has the impact been for women in the Pacific?
3: Hilda, I think there's been a number of um, concerns um, in terms of the effect of COVID, how it's affected our women in the Pacific. Firstly, again, speaking to this issue of burden of care. So because we've had lockdowns and and because Women, well, generally the population in in our Pacific, there have been job losses and job cuts. Women are now taking on that extra burden of caring for children who have to stay at home during lockdowns, looking after elderly relatives or um, relatives or people in the community who are disabled and other vulnerable groups. I think also... With, with the lockdowns and the border closures, our countries that de- depend on tourism for their income ha- has also been greatly affected, which means women who sell arts and crafts, women who are in the informal economy, and m- the majority of our Pacific women participate in the in- informal economy for income generation have also been affected by this. In our countries where the tourism again is, is a big income generating opportunity for not only for countries but for families where there have been job cuts in the hospitality industry. Both men and women have faced this sort of challenge in terms of the the downturn in the hospitality industry but I think again it's, it's women who will face that burden in terms of the worry about how to sustain their families and of course one of the The biggest concerns around COVID-19 and the women in our Pacific, our Blue Pacific, is we know that there's been increase in violence in some countries. We also know that with the lockdowns, reproductive and sexual health services have been scaled down, which means that affects women's access to health services like screening for pap smears. So there's a variety of different issues which have exacerbated a lot of already major concerns that we have for our women in the Pacific, especially around uh, violence and around access to her health services. What is
0: your key message for women in the Pacific in standing up for the equal rights and surviving this pandemic?
3: I think one of the key things is ensuring that we have someone to talk to I think mental health is a key issue around uh, this time and so whether it's a family member or community member church leader in terms of work for flexibility because there's a lot of workmen who are working from home and while that might seem like a good um opportunity in terms of protecting ourselves from COVID it it again like I mentioned before means that the burden of care is there in taking care of the kids and also trying to ensure that you're working to keep your employment and things like that so my my one one message that I would like to sort of get across is that uh, mental health is important talking is important and and it is a A difficult time for us because there are specific people we like to live in our communities and hang around with our family members and our church member community and tell stories and now with the lockdown for example that we're seeing in Fiji it means that uh, people are, are not going to be able to do that but I think there's other ways in which we can communicate and keep each other going like for example technology, calling each other FaceTiming, WhatsApping things like that but I think Generally, it's it's mental health and being able to help each other through this crisis because it's uh, something that we're all facing within the region and also throughout the world at the moment.
0: Dr Fiona Ukula, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us on this episode of Sisters Let's Talk.
3: This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne.
0: A World Health Organization report found that in the Pacific, 80% of nurses and 40% of physicians are women. And the Pacific Women's Organization says women in other roles in the health sector, like cleaners and carers, are also central to the COVID-19 response. That means women are on the front line of this pandemic, which has been particularly challenging in countries where there have been outbreaks like PNG and Fiji. One of those women on the front line is Dr. Mangu Kendino. She's an emergency physician at Port Moresby General Hospital in Papua New Guinea. Dr. Kendino, what's it like for you living home every day for work? Are you concerned about your own safety and welfare and is your family concerned too?
4: Absolutely. We try to take every precaution that is necessary in order to prevent carrying an infectious disease. Particularly now, of course, we have COVID-19 that has taken the platform and is uh, basically what our whole day is nearly focused on. And so, yes, we make sure that measures like not entering our house directly, making sure we take precautions with um, the safe handling of our work gear and our apparel scrubs and all that equipment that we were to work and safely dispose of it in the event that uh, just so that we can prevent transmission to our children and family as well in the home.
0: As a frontline health worker, how have you been impacted and have you seen other women impacted by COVID-19 over the past year?
4: We have to acknowledge that, yes, this pandemic has had a big impact on us. As a frontline health worker, what we saw and what we've had to experience and endure on a daily basis is that we've already had a struggling healthcare system whereby I just mean that it's basically a game of numbers where we already had lower healthcare worker um, ratio to patients. And then with the onset of COVID-19, It has increased the demand on our um, healthcare services on a daily basis uh, much more exponentially than we had had to experience in the years before. We've had to now deal with COVID as well. And for, if I can speak on behalf of Portnospie General Hospital, and especially the emergency department itself, and for all my other um, female colleagues who are here, we've had to take on extra responsibilities and roles, and we've had to find a way to balance out um, taking care of other essential services, patients who are sick with other our mobilities and problems, other infectious disease, TB or trauma. But we've had to now take on extra roles so that we can manage COVID as well safely because we need to protect ourselves. We need to protect other patients who are in the hospital who have come for services that are explicit to their condition and also to give ourselves the Moral boost yeah, to keep going so that people don't fatigue, they don't tire out.
0: How has women's health been hit by the pressures of this pandemic, for example, cancer screening and access to the labour ward?
4: We'll, we'll touch on those separately. So in terms of labour ward, they're of course, the essential, um, to run, to continue services of a labour ward, that's an essential service. So every healthcare facility that actually has the capacity to do obstetric care and to supervise deliveries. All of these facilities have remained open and they have had to continue their services. Now, the downside of it is at the time when we have a pandemic, institutions... Healthcare institutions, hospitals, health health centers, and others down the line, will now have to make a decision as to what services will continue. So we kind of separate them into essential services and non-essential services. So things like emergency departments, labor wards, they will continue. Emergency Departments, but we had downscaling of outpatient clinics. So if we were to discuss specifically on cancer, cancer screening and cancer diagnostics, most patients who have uh, an issue that will likely be a malignancy or a cancer, will have to have been seen through a clinic first some private healthcare provider will make the assessment. And then when it's assumed that the diagnosis is maybe a cancer, then they get referred to an institution where you can provide tertiary health care. So they uh, confirm a diagnosis. So they do a biopsy on the patient. So in saying that, um, you know, if we have... Uh, restrictions to outpatient clinics, we actually might reduce screening capabilities and the ability to make um, diagnosis at a faster rate. And then when we have um, reduction to um, operation times, we might also um, delay time to definitive surgical management. That's for gynecological cancers, that's for breast cancers. And so in the long run, yes, we will have a bit of an issue where we are delaying diagnosis. And if you delay diagnosis, then that ultimately means that you delay um, management as well.
0: How can women find accurate information about COVID-19 and other uh, health-related issues? That's still actually
4: a very profound problem because there is no limitation to what's available in mainstream media. I would like um, for women in the communities and you know just generally in the public to actually, if you've got a healthcare worker relative, um, someone you know personally and can speak to. I think that would be a good source of information um, that you can actually rely on because healthcare workers in our institutions continue to have awareness sessions. Um, it was most frequently happening previously, but certainly on a weekly basis. The health department, our health department has a good website. on um, so, covid19.info.gov.pg um, as well as other credible websites do exist, but all of us are not uh, privy to having access to, you know, um, well, internet access. And so being able to do... And some of the information, in fact, will also be confusing. And so I think one of the ways maybe that we can tackle this issue is that within community groups, if maybe those in the community, can find a credible person, set up a time, they can come and have an awareness and speak to people, the population at large, women, men, children, uh, the adults and the youth, and we can have from these single credible sources speaking the same language, would be more appropriate.
0: What message do you have for women in PNG and the Pacific, not only to survive, but to thrive at this time?
4: I think it's best to encourage us that look, we all still have our role in society, Um, whether it's in the professional aspect or not. I think one of the main things is that our roles in our homes and making sure that we raise our children well and also be an exemplary um, person in the community goes a long way to having people respect um, what. We do respect an opinion that we give here. Yeah. So just living, walking, talking, just being, um, having integrity in everything that we do. And if you've got a professional role to play, do it well. If you're a homemaker, that is an extremely important role as well. And please do it well here yeah, so that we can at least have some, not control and domination, but we can effect uh, effectively change outcomes. For you know the future of the women of PNG and in the Pacific as well,
0: Dr. Mangu Mangukendino. Thank you for joining us as we talk about one of the big issues affecting women in the Pacific: COVID nineteen.
3: You're listening to Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia.
0: We've already touched on how COVID-19 has resulted in many women losing their source of income and also taking on additional labor, caring for relatives who need help and children who are out of school. And that's what Mel Joseph is facing. Before COVID, Mel was a taxi driver in Fiji's capital, Suva, for six years, and she was and is the breadwinner for a family of eight. When the pandemic closed international borders and Fiji had an outbreak, Mel felt it became too risky for her to take on passengers. She needed to approach her driving work differently and has also taken on more of a caring role at home.
2: When we first became aware of it in Fiji, I immediately read up on it a little bit. I decided back then, which was like a year ago, that uh, it was too risky to just pick up uh, random people I used to drive for a company with a uh, RT service because we were covering the whole of the the city area. uh, I just thought it was too risky to do business that way. So I aligned myself to a a company, to a friend of mine whose restaurant wanted to do uh, deliveries during the uh, COVID period. They put me on a retainer for the past year. Till date, I have been uh, aligned to that restaurant. My mother is diabetic. I have two other elderly people in my house. I recently stopped driving taxi due to the fact that we, have a co- we had a community super spreader and they still haven't traced uh, people. So there's still a chasing going on currently. So uh, it was just a bit too risky to be in public service when we have an outbreak here in, in Fiji. So because of my family and I being the only one to sustain us, I decided to uh, to stay home until this, this clears up. The Ministry uh, of Whoa. Health and Ministry of Agriculture have given out like uh, seedlings to families so that we can plant our own vegetables. There are five different types. So currently at home uh, with my nephews, we are doing our little vegetable garden and clearing up a space for us to uh, do all of those gardening and stuff. Also, the government has been uh, giving people money through their FNPF, which is like superannuation. Currently, you can apply for $90 for grocery shopping for the week. So that's one of the programs that ha- they have going. I haven't accessed my uh, provident fund because that's for my retirement. But other than that, uh, people have, uh, my customers, the, 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 the people and some friends and families, have been very supportive during this time and have helped assist me and my family uh, by sharing and giving us some money for our shopping and for our bills. That has been the the support I've got from my family and friends and customers uh, in the past two weeks. They're doing a great job, but still certain some people feel less informed. For example, in my family, in my household, I have eight people. And recently, we tried to—I tried to talk to them about vaccination—and and and some of them are reluctant too. And when I ask them to do the fact, they feel that they don't have enough information from our our government or the source that they are looking at on their on their social media pages, etc. But uh, for me, I have to get vaccinated. We had a show of hands at home, and actually, I was the only one who wanted to get vaccinated, but I seem to have convinced my mother and my aunt now, so the three of us now are in the pool to get vaccinated. We think we're restrained now because we cannot go outside of our homes, but what we can do is, like, you know, if governments have this uh, uh, seedling initiative, you know, where people get back, get back to the earth and start planting. I think in a way we are all spending enough time with our families right now and this is uh, one time where we can all take this time to spend more time with our families. My message to the women out there is be patient, stay humble and stay
0: safe. That's Mel Joseph, a taxi driver from Suva in Fiji. It's a good message, Mel, staying safe. And I hope wherever you're listening to ABC Radio Australia in the Pacific that you're staying safe and well too. For reliable information on COVID-19, speak to your local health centres, national health departments in your country or the National Pandemic Office in PNG.
3: You're listening to Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia.
0: We all rely so much on the money brought in by tourists who can't visit us at the moment. Many women are employed in tourism businesses across the Pacific, either working or hotels or in the production and sale of handicrafts to tourists or in businesses set up around tourism. So lots of women have been hit very hard. One of them is Nemika Branton. She and her partner had a business in PNG offering adventures and activities for visitors arriving in Millen Bay on cruise ships. Like so many others across the Pacific, when COVID hit and the ships stopped arriving, the work stopped and so did the money coming in. She had to act fast and think outside the box. And what do you do if life gives you lemons? You make lemonade or in Nemeka's case, jam. I'm based here in Alotao Milan Bay. And and yeah, we basically just work from home
1: producing jams, cakes, anything that we can cater that's another, you know, food industry. So my business is called um, Yanua Kitchen. Yanua in the local um, lingua here means home or like a village. So I thought it sounded nice together. (laughs) So before COVID, I was um, working with my partners uh, to a company. It's called Alpha Blue Limited. And it's also based here in Alotau, so I was doing mostly um, tour co- coordination with cruise ships and tourists coming in. So we would run like tour guiding programs and tour trips, and yeah, we also have a boat, so we would like take them out on onto islands and you know go into communities and let them just you know have a really good time. And then we would take them back to the cruise ships in the afternoon, and they'll get be on their way. But since COVID happened, the cruise ships stopped coming into Alotau, and that basically just stopped our business too. So we were just hit financially. And that's where Yanua Kitchen stepped up and
0: emerged out of COVID. COVID hit the tourism sector really badly. So Nemeka did something completely different. I
1: actually started it from home. So I started making homemade jams. And homemade jams have been in my family for a, a very long time. So my, I learned the, the skill from my grandfather we we went into informal um marketing so we, we were basically selling ice blocks and um popcorns at the there's a primary school next to our our house so we would go there and we would sell it and then come back it was making enough to feed us but when covid started to get um harder with the um, restrictions and everything we we couldn't do our informal business anymore so we were on lockdown at home and i just go i decided to start doing gems and selling them to like people outside and then I started using um, recycled jars in, in the house because I didn't have new jars. And then as soon as we did the first sale, we sold five jars. We got a lot of interested customers from like Port Moresby and yeah, all over Alot's house. So we just had to go. We just had to start making more gems because a lot of people were interested. And then I thought maybe we should just turn this into a business since no one else is doing it. In So far, I haven't heard of anyone doing gems in Papua New Guinea. So, yeah, we've been just operating now and like we're doing larger scales. And we're also exporting out to Port Mosby. Uh, recently, we had an interest all the way from Micronesia, from Palau. So by f- this Friday, we're going to be sending um, six jars
0: all the way to Palau to a lady. So Namika met people from all over the world when she was in tourism. And now she's sending uh, gems all over the
3: world.
1: So when uh if if the cruise ships start up again, then I'm sure we can like include the jam sales and because we've got our branding and everything on it now, I've managed to secure like um, proper jars from uh, Malaysia and so with a little bit of funding I have saved up from uh, the previous sales, I've, I've managed to get like a big a larger amount of um, new jars so I can put my branding and logo everything on it and then sell it. To my um interested customers, so yeah, hopefully I can get it out to tourists if they're they're able to come back or the cruise ships
0: come back. How has COVID impacted businesses in Alotau and in PNG in general?
1: I would say Alotau is probably one of the most expensive towns to live in uh, in in Papua New Guinea, and that's because we don't have a lot of locally owned businesses, and we have a lot of foreign businesses um, based here, especially Asian businesses. We don't have a lot of like agriculture and fishing and all that marine, you know, a lot of the market activities to actually like bring down uh, stuff down to like a fair price. I'm sure a lot of businesses have closed, especially the little pool companies.
0: There's no doubt COVID's impacted Nemika.
1: Um COVID really has changed my life. I'm really happy. I'm I'm not actually happy about it happening. I know that we're all suffering through um, like the the virus side of it, but I'm happy that it's actually motivated me and pushed me, challenged me to start something that I didn't, never knew about. It's taught me uh, quite a lot. I'm actually really
0: enjoying it. So I'm passionate about it. What an inspiration. I'm really impressed to see Nemika turning lemons into, well, lemon jam. I think it says a lot about women in the Pacific where we can be faced with such hardship, but we find another way to work it out. And as Dr. Kendino has said, talk to a healthcare worker who you know and trust. And if you have access to website, visit covid19.info.gov.pg to stay up to date on the situation in PNG. For our sisters in Fiji, you can visit health.gov.fj for the latest announcements. I'm Hilda Wayne on ABC Radio Australia. This is Sisters Let's Talk a weekly show where we come together to talk about the big issues affecting women. If you've got something you'd like us to cover on the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk, we're looking at how traditional tattoos seen on many women before missionaries came to the Pacific are making a comeback. With the introduction of Christianity and, you know, changes in ideas surrounding
4: modesty and acceptable dress and all of those things, I guess there was the covering of our bodies. So the malu was less visible, but that doesn't mean that it
0: wasn't there. That's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters, let's talk. is presented by me, Hilda Wayne. It's produced by Amanda Donaghy. Our supervising producer is Inga Stuntner. Executive producer is Justin Kelly, and commissioning editor is Ilaria Walker. Sisters, let's talk is an ABC Radio Australia production. I'll catch you next time. Take care. <music>